The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. Sirius XM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. When you get older, you have to say, you have to stop and say, all right, asshole, just take a moment. This is the moment. You know what I mean? For sure. Enjoy it. Hey, everybody. It's literally with me, Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Today we got Kevin Bacon. Come on. Come on. Kevin Bacon, people. So disclaimer, we're doing this during the actor's strike. And if you can believe it, part of the strike is we're not allowed to in theory, talk about our movies. Yes, I could explain why, but trust me, that the, the the Screen Actors Guild police will come and arrest Kevin and I. So if you listen to this and go, why did they not talk about she's having a baby? You'll know why. It's not me. I'm not a bad interviewer. Trust me, I'm not a complete idiot. All I want to know about is Footloose. Let's get real. But it's still going to be a good interview. Also, don't forget to check out Kevin's new podcast. It's called Six Degrees with Kevin Bacon. 
He's going to have fun, great people on it. They're going to talk about their charitable causes. Uh, he's got Mark Ruffalo coming on, McConaughey, you know, all the people you want to talk to. Bring on the bacon. My man is literally fresh off the stage of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> how was Listen, how was that? How often do how often do I get to say that? <laughs> I would be It was nuts. I would literally right now for the next 6 months be like, yeah, god, I was just sorry, I was just thinking about being on stage with Billy in Madison Square Garden. Tell walk me through what that was like. You and Billy Joel, Madison Square uh, Garden. How does it happen? Bro. Give me the whole thing, man. It was well, first off, it was a complete shock because you know, I do, uh, I play, I've had the band with my brother, the Baker right. Brothers for years and years and years. Yep. And um, I've never played the garden. Um, <laughs> and uh, somehow on social media, his sort of kind of like social media team reached out and said, uh, he, he's, he's a fan of you and Kira's and w- would love to come to the show. And it's been a long time since I've seen Billy. The last time I saw him at the garden was... Um, uh, with Elton, and yeah, we don't true. know each other. I mean, I've, I've I've never met him, so I was like, "That's cool." I'm so excited about that, and we're gonna. Go, I was like, "Honey, we're gonna go see Billy Joel the Gardens." He's had this residency there for for you know forever. I think I think it was a show number one thirty nine or one thirty eight or some kind of crazy amount of of shows that he's done at Madison Square Garden. And um, then, like about a week ago, I get this message. Uh, how would you feel about doing a song? And I was like, oh, "What do you mean?" Uh, and and uh, 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 yeah, it was it was real. It was like serious kind of spit take time. I said, "Yeah, of course." Then they pitched uh, the entertainer, and I went through a rehearsal. You know, worked on the song. Well, first off, I started working on the song uh, like the second. You got off the that, phone, yeah. Got off the phone. Yeah. And the funny thing was, is that at the first thing I did was I listened to the record and the record uh, is blazingly fast. Like, um, it's great. I love it. Uh, but it's like, you know, I, mean, I was like, whoa, this is this guy is really, really playing. And it's also uh, a full step higher. So I, you know, I, I could get there, but I'm really a baritone. So when I heard, when I talked to the, the music the musical director and he said, you know, we actually play it down, you know, full stop. I was like, oh, thank God. God. Uh, not that his voice even needs it. I mean, he did a uh, an Innocent Man during the show, the live show, uh, with those of you who know that song. Yeah. And it's got an incredible range. I mean, it starts really low and goes blasting up to the to the ceiling. Yep. And he's he can sing the hell out of it. He he sounds great. How do those so, guys not lose their? Vo- I mean, I, I'm friendly with Kenny Loggins. He we're neighbors. Mm-hmm. And we play pickleball together, and I've had him on. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I've had him on the show, yeah. and I mean, listen, Kenny Loggins. I'm I familiar I, with his work. Are you familiar, Loggins, are you familiar with his work, yeah. Kevin? We're, we're not allowed to speak about it directly, but I am familiar with his work. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I forgot for a moment who I was fucking talking to. Um, but he. Absolutely has not lost one iota of his range. Nothing. By the way, I got a chance to play his song, uh, Footloose, and um, which, is a, which is a song 
by Kenny Loggins. It's a song. It's not a movie that you were ever in because we would never never mention It's a song by Kenny Loggins that I got a chance to sing with him, talk about other great, you know, kind of like, you know, rock God experiences. In that case, I had to beg him to to bring the the key down because Kenny, uh, again, has an incredible voice, an incredibly high range. And as you've pointed out, he hasn't lost any of it at all. I mean, the only thing I can say is that I think that if you keep using it and if you're not abusing your voice, I mean, I think that you could pr- pretty much hold on to your range. There's a lot of people that I've seen, you know, Bruce, I mean, he he just wails for- He got more know, range. Three and a half hours. I mean, I, I have, I, I've, I'm sure you've, have you ever seen a Bruce Springsteen show? About 75 shows. Okay, so seriously, Rob? Yeah, about 70. Yeah, oh, okay. literally, literally, oh, okay. I, I've seen okay. a billion Bruce shows. I, he's my okay. guy. He's my guy. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, I, you know, I look at that and I go, I don't know how that is possible. I, I really don't because it's also the way he sings. You know, he's got a lot of gravel and he just is really, really wails on it. And- he does a lot of talking. And the truth is, is that talking is actually a lot harder on your vocal cords and the way that they um, resonate. You know, singing has a kind of, um, it's just a kind of a smoother, more natural kind of vibration. But I did once did a, a one-man show on Broadway and boy, that was really hard. You did that a one-man really show? Yeah, I did a one-man show called An Almost Holy Picture uh, in 2011, I think, or 2012. And, uh, yeah, getting, getting through, uh, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, just talking was, was much harder than singing a set. That's so interesting. It, ha- it hadn't occurred to me, but it makes, it makes perfect. By the way, Bruce does not talk anywhere near what he used to. And I miss it. He used to tell these amazing, emotional, half the time stories about his father and growing up. And and then would go into the song, and now it's it's just kind of, it's funny to see musicians who we love in the different phases of their career: Elton, Billy, Bruce, and Mick. You know, and Bruce has become America's grandpa bar band. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? And like, I remember when Bruce was the seething, angry. Right, and now he's grand, He's like he's like Santa. Get on my lap, take a picture. You want to hear Mary's place? Here it is. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? It's like a it's such yeah. a different energy at the show. Oh yeah, but it is. He can still um, bring it when he every once in a while. He can still bring it. He, he listen. He, yeah. st- he still brings it. But it, listen, it's it's what it is. What's great about Bruce is he's authentic to where he is in his life, and he's happy. He's he's come, been through a lot of therapy, and mm-hmm. he's not. You know, the untherapized Bruce was a very different show, and it was fucking amazing. Well, also, I have to say that that you know, speaking of of talking and being personal and sharing things, I mean, um, the the Broadway thing was one of the most spectacular nights I've ever seen. Of yeah, uh, the definition of a singer songwriter talking about playing the music, the music, the songs. See, hearing the songs stripped down with completely without production to their essence. Spectacular. Uh, by the way, speaking of Mick, one of the funniest things I've I've seen and also kind of brilliant was 
it wasn't on the set list because, you know, I got the set list because I was, you know, on it yeah. for that night. So I had to know when I, when I was going to, you know, do, do the song. And he does, Billy does these little kind of like impromptu things. And one of the things that he did was the, the band started playing Start Me Up by the Stones. He was, he was, he was actually at the mic. He wasn't at the piano. He was up in the mic in the center, in the center of the stage, just a, you know, a, a standing mic. The band starts playing Start Me Up and he goes into Jagger like unbelievably well. The movement and the voice placement, really the phrasing, it was so impressive. And I was, I was even more impressed because Jimmy Fallon and I, for years, like for like 10 years, have been doing this dumb thing called uh, first drafts of rock. And it's basically like, like a, you take a, a classic rock song and the joke is that before it became the song that you know, it had another version. Oh, that's that wasn't genius. I love that as concept. Good. And, and then they take like... Um, uh, actual videos of the actual song, whether it was performance on you know the BBC or whatever it was, and I've I've done tons of them. I mean, Tom Petty, the Kinks, the Clash, on and on, ZZ Top. And the last one that I did was Paint It Black, but the song was all about wanting to paint things. As not, <laughs> it's just like he, he just wants to paint and paint and paint and paint. And I know that Jimmy does a great Mick. But he wanted me to, to uh, do Jagger, so I know that it's not that easy. And I thought Billy just absolutely crushed it. He was really funny. He's he's an amazing, amazing performer. I can't believe I can't believe you got a chance to do that. I mean, I can believe it. You're yeah. incredibly accomplished, and you've it was so fun. It was so fun. I, I was so grateful. And you know, I, you know how it is in this life that we've you know been so lucky to have lived for so many years and I'm, I know that you're like me and that you have a lot of gratitude about what we've been able to experience um, the places that we've gone and the people that we meet um something like that you don't get numb to you have to learn uh and and I think maybe when I was younger I didn't really have the ability to do this um because I was so Hell, hell bent on being cool about everything, you know, anybody that I meet or, you know, whoever I was working with or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. But I think that when you, when you get older, you have to say, you have to stop and say, all right, asshole, just take a moment. This is the moment. You know what I mean? For sure. Enjoy it. You know, just fucking embrace it. And so it was great. I would have loved to have, have been there. How's Kira doing? I love you guys are my favorite couple. Such a cute She's couple. She's great. Been around forever. Thank you. You, you, we, we're both blessed to have great wives and long marriages and great kids. And you know, I recently had some spent some time with your boy, <laughs> who uh, I'm crazy about. Oh, thanks. He loves you. He, he's such a special kid. I mean, he really. I mean, he's not a kid, but you know, he's he's a good, he's a good man. I really really like him a lot. Oh, thank and, you. Um, I hope we get a chance to work together someday. I was so jealous of, of, you know, the fact that you guys were able to work together because that's something that we all have done overlapped, you know, in our lives, um, in various ways. Our son is, is, is a musician and a composer and has worked, uh, with Kira in that capacity. He also has produced, 
uh, tracks for us, for the Bacon Brothers. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's got a real kind of interesting ear on a couple of songs of mine that I really felt like he would bring something super cool to it. And in a, a new release that we have coming out, he he uh, just killed it on on a song called uh, Take Off This Tattoo. And and I, I just being able to be, you know, in any kind of working situation with your family, of course, it's going to be complicated, but it's also really kind of great. And so everyone's doing well. Um, they're actually flying east uh, to spend a little time with us on Labor Day. We were able to drive. Both both my kids live on the West Coast, and and Kira and I are here. So it was it was great. Well, how did you get they, them to do that? All, my kids, are, I can't even get them to come up to Santa Barbara from L.A. I, I, you know what? It was it was uh, it, it did take a little bit of um, <laughs> cajoling. It, it took a little bit of like making sure that, like for instance. We'll book the tickets. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Nobody's paying for anything. You know, the, right. the tickets are bought. You know, you're here. This is when you're leaving. And also, you know, it's timing. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, Sosie's not working because the strike traffic is not working right now. Um, so uh, we're, we're thrilled that they're on their way. Okay. So I see you serenading the goats all the time. Mm-hmm. Where are the goats kept? We have a, a farm in northwestern Connecticut that I actually got uh, in 1983. No way. And yeah, I'm a city kid. I uh, grew up in Philadelphia. But as a kid, for some reason, I developed a love of horses. So I was dating a girl and we were visiting her brother who was up here in, in, in the country. And I'd never, I honestly, I'd never even been to the state of Connecticut. And, uh, as a goof, I remember we said, let's get a real estate agent, pretend we're looking for a house. It was literally like that. Let's, let's like pretend that we want to buy a house. And we run around and we found this little kind of ramshackle, uh, turn of the century farmhouse and bought it. You know, listen, wow. I don't want to, you can imagine it was a lot of money for most, for a lot of people, but it was really kind of a song in, in when you compare it to real estate is these days. And, and 83, you know, 1983, no, no, 1983. Yeah. So, and also the area was, it's, it's very, very rural. It's not a vacation spot, really. Right. You know, it's it's you know farmland. Yeah, and it was really just to get a horse. I, I just had this idea of getting a horse. How so, much land? How much land do you have? Well, now it's expanded. You know, I I I I bought you know a few other parcels of land. So you know, we have we have quite a bit of land. But <laughs> the uh, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. The guy that sold me the house, he uh, lived across the road and, and, and it was his father's, um, or the family, I guess had been in the family for years, this, this farm. And, uh, every few years he would say, well, I'm going to sell another parcel of land. And, uh, if you don't buy it, there will be a house there looking down into your backyard. So I ended up getting it. And then it, another 10 years would go by and the same thing would happen. So it wasn't really that I was like, so, you know, like wanted to do a land grab. It right. was just that I was trying to keep, because we lived down in the in the bottom of the valley. And uh, one of the pieces that we bought 
had an old house in it and uh he didn't want me to own the house um it was an abandoned house that he'd grown up in and we kind of went you know back and forth on it for a while and then eventually i said listen you can't sell me a piece of land, but not sell, sell me the house that's on it. Like, that's just weird. Like, what if you sell it to somebody else and then there's somebody that's like living, you know, basically, <laughs> you know, right up in the backyard. I mean, this is, you can't do that. He says, I can't sell it to you because it's haunted. And I'm afraid that you will get possessed and, you know, do some serious damage, uh, you know. You're like, wait a minute, bro. I know how this ends up. <laughs> We went back and forth on this haunted house thing. And, uh, and I actually finally, we finally made, came to an agreement in the contract that I had to destroy it within, uh, I don't know, a month or something like that. So please tell really, me, please tell me you went and spent a night in the haunted house. Or did I did something- not only did I not, did not only did I not do that. But I went up there and there were some beautiful old pine boards and a um, a banister. And I said to Kira, we got to take those out. And she's like, no, you're not. You're right. not putting those fucking things in our house. Say, Yes, you're probably right. She's right. Look, the, the wives are always right. You they weren't tempted are. at all like a moonlight walk? See what was going well, on? I did go there during the day. Um, and you know, I, I don't listen. Do you ever give you a reason done, why you said it was haunted at least? Oh, that's kind yeah. of an ominous thing to drop on the table and then walk away. It was from. a long story that had to do with a native American who in the 1700s had been murdered, I think by a colonial soldier and he had had ghostbusters there. And I mean, it was a whole, it was wow. a whole, it was a whole long thing, but you've played, uh, I've been in um, scary movies, and I always find that that when you're in a scary movie, um, everybody wants to know. Well, have you ever seen a ghost, or do you, you know, believe in ghosts? And my the thing I always say is, I would really love to, but as of yet, it just hasn't happened. But I, I hope someday that it will. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment? There's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. Look, I love California. Um, And I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team 
anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. So Johnny, my son, you know, and then my other son, Matthew, and I did a, okay, picture a a reality series that is a mixture of Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, and Scooby-Doo. I'm in. Right? Not only am I in, (laughs) I'm in it. So we, uh, among the places we went uh, was a closed down children's reformatory slash prison in central mm. California that's notoriously haunted. Mm. And um, mm. we, I saw lights going off and on in the middle of it, literally like somebody was on a switch off and on. And Matthew, my other son, there was like a, um, like a big sort of, like you know those balance balls in the gym that are inflated, you know, that you do mm-hmm. your core work on? Like picture one of mm-hmm. those kind of deflated but roll, mm-hmm. but it's beginning to roll across the room. <laughs> yeah, and he got it on camera. We got, wow. Yeah, so I- Was it on the show? It's on, it the show. on the show, yeah. It's called The Low Files. Ah. Yeah, it was our very first episode. We saw more stuff in our very first episode than we saw in the entirety of the rest of the series as we looked around, but it was it was pretty intense. And then, you know, they wow, had this- Wow, that's pretty intense. They had this, um, what the hell is the name that's scientific, I say with air quotes, name of the device that l- l- would, <laughs> it sounds insane as I say it, that would, <laughs> would pick up on the frequencies and revert them into speech. He'd be like, are you there? <laughs> like one of those things, which was hilarious. <laughs> the, the thing kept asking for pizza. Pizza pie, it kept saying. I just, <laughs> it, was, it was both really super absurd, but also really scary. I wish that I kept that house up. That would have been a great episode. I would have been there in a minute. Haunted house. <laughs> so how much Love time that. do you divide between the city and uh, Connecticut? Uh, the truth is, is when, when there's work happening, we go where the work is. Yeah. And, you know, Kira... I know she needs to connect with the city um, at least once a week. Well, I mean, if she's if she's on the road or shooting in LA or whatever, no. But right. but if we're here, she wants to connect with the city once a week. When I met her, I had broken up with the with the girl, and I was living up here alone with a dog, uh, and just me and the dog would go off to shoot movies and stuff. But my whole point of view was that. I wanted to be a lonely farmer mm. with a dog. Yes, and this was my this yes. was my self image. This is my self image. Yes. It's going to be me and the dog and my horses, and that's it. And I meet this 
woman and fall in love and we start to, you know, build this family. And I was like, okay, I'm the lonely farmer and you're the lonely farmer's wife. <laughs> and she's like, uh, no. Have you met me? No. After she she went for it for about uh probably by, by like four or five years or something like that. And you know, our kids were being raised here. Our daughter was born in the hospital here. And um it, my my son was was in school. And finally she sat me down and she said, guess what? We're going back to the city. And it was the biggest fight we ever had. We had we we fought about it forever. I mean, a lot of it was that I was feeling like undue financial pressure and I didn't feel like things were going so great career-wise. And then the 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 idea of actually going into New York and uh trying to find a place to live where we could all live together, right. you yeah. know, enough bedrooms and stuff. I was like, we were just evening out, you know what I mean? And now we're, we're going back to, uh, you know, trying to struggle for putting enough work together to cover this, this move. And, uh, you know, it was short-sighted for sure. She was a hundred percent right. Uh, as usual, we moved back to the city and, and raised our kids in the city and was like the greatest thing that we ever did. I mean, I, you know, I, they loved growing up in New York. They're both Angelinos now, but they love growing up in New York. You know, we would come up on the weekends, but now, now it's pretty much 50 50. And we don't have any, uh, our last dog, um, he died, I don't know, probably about well, six months ago or something like that, a year. I don't know. And we decided, I don't know, never say never, but I, I don't really want another dog right now, but we have a whole bunch of other animals. See, I, I'm a big goats. dog person. I have I have four, yeah. I have four dogs almost four dogs yeah. wow that's awesome yeah I have a pack and, and you know they get older and one goes and you send them out and you bring in another and we just keep it we we've always had like four uh, dogs and now that's kid, great now that the kids are out of the house they're they're the children it's a cliche but it's true because I don't have goats all I got is dogs well listen you know goats and our pigs too are all all the animals I mean are incredibly happy to see us. And I think that that's one of the... A that's pig, one is, of the a pig is happy that, to see you? A pig is. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. If they if they hear us uh, even approaching the gate, they come charging across the field at top speed and we, uh, for a pig. And we don't even have to have food. It's not always... I mean, it probably is motivated by food, but they love to uh, be pet, and um, you know they both do this hilarious thing where you you start to rub their belly, and then they just they they kind of slow down, they slow down, and then they just hit the deck, <laughs> they just fall right over, and just say, "Okay, I'm I'm good for the rest of the day with you rubbing my belly. That's all I need in this world." It's really cute. I mean, they're really it's the best. I I love that. Very stuff. sweet. My um, German shirt-haired pointer, we're renting on the beach right now because we're building an, mm -hmm. another house and and he will swim miles into the ocean to chase birds. Miles, oh, wow. miles. And I've had to go rescue him. But the thing is, you don't, re you, he'll come back, but I, it's really hard to watch your dog at the horizon line, literally at the horizon line from the beach. 
And he's going to get mm. tired or a shark. There's great whites out there. And like, wow. so. Um, well, and so, he, yeah, they, that's a strong, that is a strong instinct. And then the other thing, I, I'd forgotten about this until I was looking at a little research. We have Jack Russell's. And uh-huh. oh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. where I'm going with this one. I worked with Jack Russell's. Let's, let's leave it at that. But that's, that's a good Jack Russell. Yeah. I want to tell you a story about that. It was while I was making a movie. I was making a movie in um, Lone Pine, California. And coming through Lone Pine, California is the, the, the aqueduct which becomes, is either called the Los Angeles River or becomes the Los Angeles River. I know it well. It is basically, for people that haven't seen it, uh, up there, it's a a very, uh, probably about a 45 degree angle aqueduct made out of concrete that the water flows through, uh, often very, very quickly and very, very cold. I had... A dog. All my dogs have been mutts, but this particular one, uh, uh, Jane, was like your German Shorthaired Pointer, like like a crazy, sticky bird dog, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, type tracker, like really, really strong. And she absolutely had no fear and loved the water. And I go out with her. She's off the leash, and we're jogging pretty much, you know, through the desert up there. And uh, she goes and jumps in the fucking aqueduct. Oh, boy. It's probably going 20 and miles an hour, ripping. It's going so fast. Yeah. And I look at, at her, and I look at this thing, and I'm running along the side of the river next to her. Oh, and I go, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get this dog out. This is... This this is going to be impossible. And I keep running and I keep running with her. And now she's starting to like, you know, kind of, you know, she was like never, never got upset, but she's sort of starting to like whimper a little bit. And I see a gate <laughs> up in front of me where it's going to stop and it's going to go past this gate. I'm not going to be able to get through. I, I, I pull this gate open and try to squeeze myself through the inside of this thing, ripped uh, uh, my chest up, but I made it through the gate. Then I come up with some kind of crazy ass idea while I'm running that maybe I could build something quickly with my shoelaces that could be able, I don't know why, so I take my shoelaces off. So now I'm running barefoot because my sneakers wouldn't stay on. And finally, up ahead, I see... I guess probably for saving drowned people, there is one ladder down the side of the aqueduct that's, you know, kind of built into the concrete, just, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, pieces of metal. And there is a horizontal rope strung against, uh, across it. And then vertical ropes spaced probably about three feet apart that have knots tied on. No way. Yeah, which is which is literally there. What else could it be what for? Could it be for? To actually save save uh probably mostly people. Right. So I take off like a shot to try to get some get some distance on her. I climb down into the water and start pulling myself out into the river, oh, holding on to this rope. 
And I grabbed her as she's coming. I'm like, come on, Jane, come on. She's, she's like swimming, literally like paddling towards me as she's floating downstream. I grabbed her by the collar and hoisted her up onto these, these little metal, like, I don't even know how, how I got this dog out of there, got out of there. And she shakes off and she picks up a stick and wants me to throw it for her. And I was like, you motherfucker. I almost died. And you want me to throw, you're like, this is, that was fun. Can you throw it back in there for me? <laughs> that, that's insane. How cold in the water it was freezing. It was freezing, freezing cold. I got back to the house. The run had gone on longer than I think Kira had expected. And um, I'm like, I don't have my shoes, you know, I'm barefoot. My chest is bleeding. Uh, I'm like, I got the dog. It's like, where exactly like, were you again? You're not, Kevin. <laughs> you're not going to believe, honey. You're not going to believe this story. And, uh, but she, she's one of those dogs. I don't know if any of your dogs are like this, that kind of have nine wives, you know? Yes. A lot of, lot of, lot of near death experiences for her. I also like the way you, like me, I, I like human names for my dogs. Your dog's name was Jane. Like, yeah. I'm a big believer yeah. in human names. I like, uh, um, Owen is the German short haired pointer. <laughs> um, Daisy is the, one of the Jack Russells, the other Jack Russell. Um, God, what is it? I've had so many damn dogs. I can't remember their names now, but I like, I like human names. I have a friend who named his dog, Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> Which, because he did this, oh, God, Jerry Bruckheimer's shitting in the grass again. <laughs> it's John Lovitz. It's John Lovitz named his. <laughs> That's funny. Ce celebrity dog names would be pretty sick. Yeah. This is no disrespect, but our pigs are named June and Johnny. June yeah. and Johnny, no disrespect. That would be good to have a dog like Clint Eastwood, dog named Clint. You ever, you did you ever ski with Clint? No, have you? I have. Yeah, you might, he must have. He, I'm sure. Is he a good skier? I'm he, sure he, he doesn't. I think he doesn't. He finally stopped skiing. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the great privileges to ski with him. Because everything he says sounds like Clint Eastwood. So, it's, yeah. I think we're going to go down uh, Widowmaker. Widowmaker. We're going down Widowmaker. Yeah. It's a double black. Well, I grew up with Charlie Sheen before he went totally insane. He's better now. I'm glad, happy to say, but we were obsessed. No, that's good. We're, I, I didn't know that. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. And he's doing good. And he he used to tell me we used to obsess about Clint and do backyard movies where we made our own versions of Dirty Harry and all of it. And then he finally got to mm. work with Clint. He was the first of us, I think, to ever work with Clint. Eventually, Charlie realized he really hadn't said anything to him, and they're going to start shooting. So it's the first day of shooting, and Charlie's like, "We haven't really rehearsed." I haven't really had a proper fucking conversation with him. Oh, yeah. And, he, yeah. and now he's in his head and he's fucking freaking out. And so he goes and he knocks on Clint's trail. This is the morning, first day of shooting. Sun is not up. First day of shooting. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, it's just, I was just wondering, like, you know, uh, it's first day of shooting and all, like, you know, it's uh, how we're going to attack the day or, you know, with the sort of thought you know, what, what, what sort of what we're going to be doing? Clint just looks at him for the longest time. Goes, well, they're uh, going to hit our marks and say a few words. 
that's it. And that's and that's exactly what happens. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. And then they turn into these unbelievably great movies. And and it's one of those things where you kind of go, wait a second. What about all these other times when there's been absolute insanity? Yes. And yelling and you know, whatever, fights or or all kinds of crazy stuff going on. How come he can do that and not have all that stuff? And you really scratch your head about it. Uh, although I have to say that, you know, after the experience of working with him, I held on to a lot of those. I certainly had held on to those things in terms of, you know, being a director, but also in terms of, you know, an approach to... uh being on a TV show or in a uh, in a film, you know, let's see what we can do to make this an experience that doesn't have a whole lot of insanity around it, and let's see what we can do to make this uh, make the use of our time as a, as efficient as possible, and not um, waste it with a lot of bullshit that has nothing to do with what's ending up on the screen. Now, that's not to say that I'm sure you've had this experience where you can have a terrible experience and make a great movie, or you can have a great experience and make a terrible movie. In the case of, you know, working with with Clint, that ended up being a, a, a great movie. Um, but I I do think that there's a lot about um his approach that really has stuck with me. I mean, one of the things that I'll always remember is that, you know, he he really likes light uh, sticks, which I like. Um, you know, when I say sticks, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, you 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 hit a slate to the in clapper, order to sort of synchronize. Cool. Yeah. yeah, the clapper thing to, in yeah. order to synchronize the, the picture with the sound so that the editor can see a synchronized picture with sound. And, and traditionally... It's a big smack. And I believe what Clint said was that he was doing um, the television shows when he was doing Westerns and they line up, you know, six, six horses and, you know, they're about to raid a town or whatever it is about to take off. And the, and the, and the assistant camera guy would come out and smack the, the uh, slate as hard as he could. And all the horses would flip out you know they start you know rearing up and 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 shying and stuff and and if it's if it's freaking a horse out he said you know it's got to be freaking the actors out and what i started thinking about was that a lot of our process um is in some ways i think backward from what it should be because i believe that the most relaxed time should be the time between action and cut and in a lot of ways, we, we're, we're taught that, you know, I'll give you an example. People knock on your door and they give you a 10 minute warning. And when I hear the word warning, I say, <laughs> that means that some bad shit's about to happen. You know what I mean? I don't want a fucking warning to work. I want to work. I love to work. I want to, you know what I mean? I like, I, I say, I don't, I, don't warn me that, you know, and warning, then, warning, like the robot warning. lost in space. Yeah, right. Well, Robinson, you know, we turned to the ship. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like I, 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 like I want that to be something that I'm looking forward to. And then, 
you know, rolling sound, speed. Oh. Everyone, very quiet, please. Smack, boom. They smack that thing in your face. Now I'm tense, right? Yeah. And then they say cut and everybody goes, oh, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. What are you doing for lunch? All of a sudden then it becomes like the relaxed part of the day is That's like right. the, the day when we're not rolling. For me, I want it to be, I want to flip that, right? I want to flip that and feel like now I can just be, can be uh, the character and the the cast and the script and the camera and the operators and all of us in a place of breath and of, uh, you know, uh, of experience. And I really learned that from, uh, yeah, from Eastwood. And you literally, whenever you're ready, all that stuff. Yeah. Right? Okay, you guys, go ahead. And my favorite is, I heard at the end sometimes ago, that's enough of that. Which totally. isn't a, exactly, doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, if you're, if you go to work for him looking for ringing endorsements, you're, you get the you're wrong guy. Wrong. No, no. A lot of us, no. The truth is, is that a lot of us are, you know, incredibly insecure and need a lot of like, hey, great job. Oh my God, you killed it. Whoa, the dailies were unbelievable. Oh my God. Oh. I, look, I got a little full. I saw what you did there. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what we, that's what we want. You know, I smell Oscar. Um, <laughs> but you're not going to get that with him, obviously. Uh, truth is, I, I kind of like that better. You know, yeah. I, I am somebody who does the homework and I don't come relying on someone that's a director who's going to come up and give me a gem of a piece of direction that's going to take me from sucky to good. Yeah, you know what I mean? For sure. I kind of feel like I want somebody that's going to first off cast me and then <laughs> and then put the camera in the right place, you know, and, and let me do my thing. 100%. I'll, I'll say one more thing, turning it, which is great. Love letter to Clint. But, you yeah. know, I really... One of the things that's really interesting about him is he's directed, I don't know how many movies, 30 movies or something like that. Most directors haven't directed that many movies and forget actors who direct. Like that's, I mean, very unusual. I don't think there's anybody that has been in things and directed them and been such a giant star and such a successful director. I, I can't think of it. I mean, there's some, some people who were, you know, done, you know, a handful of things here or there or, or two great ones or, you know, whatever, you know, but that that's pretty, that's pretty unusual. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if 
if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Okay, here's what I have to ask you about because I remember this vividly, this moment in time in, in a career and the business. I had just done, I think, The Outsiders and there was this Broadway play that everybody wanted to be in called Slab Boys. And I remember this like it was yesterday and you did it. And with... Sean Penn mm-hmm. was Matt mm-hmm. Dillon in it? No, Matt wasn't in it. Who else um, was in that cast? Sean, uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Oh yeah, great. Val actor. Kilmer. Val. Brian Benben. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madeline Potter. Uh, yeah, Madeline yeah. Potter. I did a play with Madeline Potter. Yeah, I had actually done the play at the Actors Theater of Louisville earlier that year or a little bit earlier or whatever. It's a fantastic playwright, uh, John Byrne. I believe, I mean, Hat was, I don't think, I don't know if they're still married or not, but was married to Tilda Swinton. Mm. And he was not only a uh, playwright, but a fantastic artist and a really interesting character with this unbelievably great Glaswegian accent, which I can't do, still can't do. And, uh, Giant, giant mustache that was often, um, you know, just kind of uh, tinged because he he smoked these filterless, you know, cigarettes, and and I, the bottoms of his mustache and and his and his fingers were, you know, kind of brown. And I, I remember, and he he was a, just a, a fantastic character. And somebody at the at at Actors Theater had found this play back back then. I was auditioning and and doing regional theater whenever I could. And um, I went to Louisville to do Slab Boys. It ended. And then they just, somebody decided to do it on Broadway. And I didn't audition for it because I had already played the part. Wow. And they asked me to, to do the part. My, if my memory serves me correctly, I don't think that the critics quite got it in the same way 
that we did. Uh, it was almost a working class Scottish drawing room comedy in a funny kind of way. You know, uh, um, a lot of people running in and out of doors and all sorts of sort of intrigue and stuff like that. I love doing it. So good. Do you um, do you get a chance to do much theater anymore? I haven't done theater for a while. You know, the last thing I did was a new play, which was a production of Rear Window, but actually based not on the movie, but on the original novel that was from, I think, the 40s, the 30s or 40s. And, and you know, so the characters were not exactly the same. But that was a lot of fun. I did that at um, up in Hartford, Connecticut. With, it was kind of with an eye to Broadway, but I just didn't really pan out, unfortunately. I'm always thinking about doing it because there's the band. I feel like that is, in a way, kind of part of my live yeah. life. One, that makes perfect um, sense. 100% get you know, that. Yep. You know, I feel, I don't know how you feel about this, but when the thing that I love about live performing, whether it be theater or music, is that I get butterflies, you know? Yeah. I got a lot of butterflies when when it was beyond butterflies, you know, <laughs> when I played with Billy. But but even even doing our show, you know, I know the tunes, I know I know the changes. I I've, I've a lot of times there are venues that I've played before. The band and I are all, you know, we're in sync. Everything is you know something that we've done. But right when you get to get right when they're about to you're about to come out, you have that feeling like, you know, shit could go south, right? You yes. know, you could break a string, forget a lyric or or do changes. You could sing sing notes out of tune. Sound cannot work. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. But on top of that, you're also sharing that one night with that group of people. Right. Yeah. Like it's never going to be the same. There's no take two. That's that's really what it is, right? Yeah. When we walk, when you walk onto a set, it's like your living room, right? Yes. You know that there's you've been there, you grew up there. It's so it, that's so familiar. But when you go out to do as even if you've done the show a, a, a theater, you know, for you know four months or something yeah. like that, there still is that feeling of like this is only this night or this afternoon that's going to be shared with this group of people, and there's an immediacy to it that I think is great for a creative person. It's the best. I mean, I I I did a few good men on the West End. I played Kathy. Ah, we, so Sorkin and I after. After West Wing went together and did that, and it was right around the time of Guantanamo Bay was going uh, on, yeah, so it was yeah, a yeah. really, and as you know, how long were you there? How long were you in the in the West End? I did a hundred and forty performances. Whoa! It was a long. Wow, it, was dude, a, it was a long that run. A run, and that wow. part, as you know, is a beast. Yes. A beast. Did you like dig that? Like living Love, in, I done it in London, the, working in the West End? I, I mean, that's pretty cool. It was living in Belgravia, everything leading up uh-huh. to it. Come on. It was it was the sickest thing yeah. ever. And and it's that play is a just a mousetrap of it just it's a perfect, perfect, perfect play. Perfect. It just yeah, destroys it, it is great. every night. It um, is great, yeah. As you know, in, on Broadway, critics can come anytime during previews. And in theory, you never know when they're in the house, right? In England, they come on opening night. They all come. Oh, they do? Yes. Oh, wow. So, wow. which is both good and bad. I kind of like it better 
because mm-hmm. I, I like kind of knowing when the state, whatever. Frankly, I think I would like that better. I yeah. think I would like that better. I, I liked it better. I didn't like it Game better. Game on. I didn't like it better when I had, I think might've been your character in the witness stand and was looking at the actor's face and his eyes were really big and looking at me and I go, I wonder why he's looking at me that way. And then I realized I jumped two and a half pages ahead. Oh no. Which is a problem in that show. Because oh, that's such a nightmare. Because is that opening night? Opening night with all the critics. Oh, dude. And, that is that I'm gonna have nightmares about oh, that I, tonight. And I had this moment, I'll never forget it. You know, have seminal moments in in one's career. And I had this moment of was like, okay, okay, okay. And I just took it. The, the good thank God it was a an interrogation scene, because I don't know how you get away with it otherwise. I just I had to figure out where I was. I'd figure out what I hadn't said because the rest of the play doesn't make any sense without the stuff that I'd forgotten to say. <laughs> so I just leaned, <laughs> dude, it was That's nuts. Amazing. I literally turned, I looked directly into the audience. I walked down center stage, right out, stared at them, thinking, took my long suite, didn't try to pretend, Went figured it out, went back and let him in and no one ever said a fucking word. Nobody, nobody ever knew. Aaron Sorkin knew. He lost his mind. Oh, I'm sure he did know. But nobody <laughs> ever knew. And we, we, it was very amazingly well-reviewed, but it was like, talk about, it's that thing where you say can happen. Like that's yeah. being in the airplane and you realize you're out of gas. It's like, uh, yeah, that was as bad as wow. it gets. That's pretty, that's pretty bad. But- Exhilarating. When I came back yeah. and, and it like snatched victory from the jaws of defeat or whatever it is, you just feel that's like right. a, it's yeah. It's, that's the thing is that that's what you did is that that's then then you're like okay I did that I can do anything right right I'm I'm Superman now. Well, this is great, man. I thank you for coming on. This is been a pleasure. Or when, a are, pleasure have you ever played the Santa Barbara Bowl? No. I mean, you have a lot of musicians living around you, right? So I, many. Yeah, Kenny and uh, who else was up there? I lived like, in Michael McDonald's house. Michael for, McDonald and Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Joe Walsh lived up there up for a while. It's been years and years and years. All the guys from um, Depeche Mode live in Santa ah, Barbara. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah. Please say hello to Kira for me, please. Will do, man. And best to your family. Thank and you. And it's great. Uh, to do this. Um, It's really fun. Really fun hanging out with you. What a great guy. So fun. Love him. All right. You got questions? I got answers. Let's hit the lowdown line. Hello. You've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe, 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hello, Rob Lowe, on the lowdown. I'm Julie, and I'm calling from beautiful Wiltshire in England. I'm at the tail end of binge listening to Literally from the beginning, and I love it. Um, it's equal parts, as you would say, hilarious, moving and incredibly interesting. I love hearing you talk about your love for Cheryl 
and you're such a very proud dad. Those, those two parts of your life shine so brightly in your words. Um, so I have a question for you. I lost my dad when I was in my mid-twenties. It's weird to lose such a huge influence on life when you're still trying to figure out who you are. My question is, if your life had been blessed with daughters rather than your two lovely sons, it would have been very different. How do you think you'd be different if that had happened? Anyway, take care, Rob. Keep recording. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I love Wiltshire, where you're calling from. And it's funny that you ask about my kids. Um, my son Matthew was conceived in Wiltshire in Sting's guest bedroom. <laughs> True story. Um, we wanted to have girls. We, we tried for a third because we wanted to have a girl. And up until my brother had three of them, there had not been a female low in, um, I think, two or three generations. So it, it didn't happen for me, but it happened for my brother. So, and I, you know, I'm very close with Chad and I know him as well as I know anybody in the world. So watching Chad raise his girls and his experience versus me raising my two boys, um, it's really, as you say, completely different. I, I, I know it would have softened me for sure. Um, uh, I think it would have given me a lot more perspective um, on on the world because, you know, having a, a, Cheryl being the only woman in our nuclear family is, you know, she's, she's an island unto herself. <laughs> um, but seeing the world grow up through a young woman's eyes would be, would, would have been spectacular. Um, because everybody says that there's nothing like a, a a girl's love for their dads, you know. It's it's true because you know, guys, you know, my, my boys now are like, hey, dad, what, what are you doing? And you know, I see my brother with his his daughters, and they're still lovey lovey dovey and all of that. So it's a it's a missed opportunity, but it wasn't it wasn't in store for for me and Cheryl. But I also wouldn't have it any any other way um, in the next life, because I do believe that'll happen. Thank you for your question. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Be sure uh, to uh, download next week's episode. Don't forget, if you're hanging around the Amazon website, give us five-star review. We like that. That's very helpful. And thanks, as always, for participating. And thanks again to Kevin Bacon. He's a legend. Thanks for uh, listening, and I'll see you next time on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Nick Liao with help from associate producer Sarah Begar. Research by Alyssa Grawl, editing by Jerron Ferguson. Engineering and mixing by Rich Garcia. Our executive producers are Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and myself for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson for Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Special thanks to Hidden City Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. 
Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available.